This podcast is a production of the Mississippi State University Division of Development and Alumni. Welcome into the Ask the Experts podcast, everyone. My name is Ava Richardson, and I'm the coordinator of Young Alumni Programs and Alumni Outreach for the MSU Alumni Association. We're continuing our Ask the Experts series today, where we provide tips and life advice for young MSU alums getting started in their careers out of college. Before we get to today's interview, we wanted to say one more congratulations to the MSU class of 2022. If you're one of the 3,800 new Bulldog alumni who just crossed the stage, we want to encourage you to connect with us and find out how young alumni can get involved with the MSU Alumni Association. Visit alumni.msstate.edu or shoot me an email at arichardson at alumni.msstate.edu to learn more about our young alumni programs. With graduation in the rearview mirror, we're about to have our first young alumni travel trips of the summer. Our classic grad trip will be touring Europe, while another group will be island hopping in Greece. Be sure to visit alumni.msstate.edu to find out more about our young alumni travel offerings and browse 2023 trips. Additionally, if you are a young alum in the GTR area, make plans to attend the monthly Bulldog and Brews Happy Hour event in Starkville. We've had a great turnout at each event this year, so this is a great way to connect and network with other young alumni in the Golden Triangle. Make sure to check your email and MSU alumni social media for a specific date, time, location, and announcements for each event. Now, let's get to today's interview with Amber Thomas, who is a recent graduate herself and serves as a realtor on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Amber spent a few minutes with us answering common questions with the home buying process. Enjoy. So Amber, could you just tell us a bit about yourself before we kind of get into everything? Yes. Hey guys, how are you? Again, my name is Amber Thomas. I'm a realtor with a couple of banker Alfonso Realty located on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Um, I've been a licensed realtor for the past four years or so since November of 2018. And I am a spring 2016 graduate of Mississippi State University with a bachelor's of science in chemical engineering and a minor in mathematics. You know, we were just kind of talking off the podcast about how this is kind of a foreign land for myself. And I feel like for a lot of other young alums, and that's where this, you know, this podcast is kind of catered towards. And I think this is the perfect topic to talk about uh, is purchasing a home. So first question that I kind of wanted to get into, which is, I think, very straightforward and very obvious. What is the first thing that I need to know when I'm even just thinking about purchasing a home? So that the first thing that you would need to know before buying a home is the amount you're pre-qualified for mortgage. And so pre-qualification refers to a letter from a lender that says that that lender is generally willing to lend to you up to a certain amount um, and based on certain assumptions. So this letter helps you to make an offer on a home because it gives the sellers confidence that you will be able to be financed for that home that you're trying to buy. Um, And you should ask that lender, whoever it is that you're gonna be working with, um, what type of loan options are gonna be best for you there are 100% financing options available, which a lot of people don't really realize. So that means that you don't have to pay a down payment. The, those loans are USDA loans or a VA loan. A lot of first-time home buyers they um, look into an FHA loan, which is also advantageous because it's a three and a half percent down payment versus a 20%, which is what most people think of when they think of purchasing a house. So these loan options kind of vary depending on your situation. Your situation, yes. And the USDA loan would be dependent upon 
if that home is in a USDA eligible area. Mm -hmm. So your lender or your realtor would be able to look up the address and see if it's in an eligible area. And then if you qualify for a USDA loan, then you're, you're good to go with that option. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of, you know, gets us into the second thing that I wanted to ask you was the steps that you take before, you know, purchasing. So we have that first step, but what, what are these other things that we should be looking for? So, and I'm, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record because it's going to be saying the same things. I yeah, no, that's helpful. But, you know, before, besides knowing what amount you're pre-qualified for, um, you should also be saving for a down payment in case you don't qualify for one of these 100% financing options. Mm -hmm. And then also for closing costs, which most people don't really realize that until they get with their realtor that they're going to have extra costs that they're going to be paying for. So closing costs include your taxes, your recording fees, your lender fees, your attorney fees, et cetera. They're a good bit depending on who that lender is that you're working with and what area you're looking to purchase. Um, so generally I would tell first time buyers to have anywhere from about 10 to $15,000 saved just to be cautious. And um, I'd also let my clients know that there will be upfront fees that are also will be due immediately after going under contract. Mm -hmm. um, those fees would be earnest money deposit and then also a home inspection fee. So mm -hmm. your earnest money deposit is, it's a good faith deposit. Most people don't know about that as well. So if you your offer was accepted, you would put up generally about $500 depending on the price of the home. But a, a rule to look at is about 1% of your purchase price. Depending on the price of the home, you can go a little bit less than that. Um, and again, it's a good faith deposit. Let's those sellers know that you're serious and it would be credited back to you on your closing disclosure at the end of your purchase. If no one's in breach of contract and, um, a home inspection is usually advised for first time home buyers. Mm -hmm. And that is just to make sure that the house is up to standards. And that is something that you want to move forward with. So it's a built-in contingency into your offer most times. And that fee is a fee that would be due upfront as well. It's anywhere from about $250 to $500, depending on the square footage of the home. So if you're buying a 300 or a 3,000 square foot home, then you're gonna be looking to pay upwards of $500 for that home inspection fee. Yeah, well, I think that's something that, I, I don't know about everyone, but I personally didn't know that is that you have these other fees, the closing cost fee, the upfront fees. So it's great to know that you should have that extra money set aside all these other kind of fees that you may or may not be aware of. Definitely. Uh, now, something when it comes to the home inspection, um, are there specific things that I should be looking for when I'm inspecting a home? So the way that most inspectors do that report is that they'll break it down, which is a lot better. And it's really easy to digest. They'll have major concerns, they'll have safety concerns, and then they'll, they'll flag certain things. Sometimes are, they're more cosmetic than anything else, but they'll still flag it. Mm -hmm. What I usually go through, I, they send the report to not only you guys who are the buyers who pay for the report, but they also send it to your realtor. So I see it just when you guys see it and I'll read it myself and compile a report of what I think are major concerns to either ask the sellers to repair or to say, hey, this is just too much. You guys might want to just, we'll, we'll look at a new house. We'll look at a different house because it's going to be too much for you going in. Well, that's helpful. I think that's the great thing about having a realtor, someone who's an expert yes. in the area. Yes. Um, and can be less emotional because I know that this is, it's a purchase that's going to be a very emotional experience for you as a buyer, but it kind of 
your realtor, your professional takes that emotion out of it and can look at everything pretty straightforward. So we have that advantage for you guys. That's fantastic. Very helpful. So that kind of goes into something else I wanted to ask. How will I know what realtor is right for me? How do I decide? Um, what okay. kind of faced with that type of situation? So I would personally, if you're looking at your first time buyer and you don't know where to start, I would advise just like everything else nowadays to look online mm -hmm. in your market and just see what realtors that you find that have the experience, the credentials, and that may look like somebody that you would want to work with. Um, I would then reach out to that person and tell them that you're a first time buyer looking for lender recommendations. So that's, that's the beginning of that. They'll be able to put you in the right direction as far as getting pre-qualified, getting pre-approved and moving forward that way. Um, so if, let's say for instance, you find a person and you guys aren't necessarily the right fit for one another, you always have the opportunity to kind of amicably let each other go and you can move on to somebody else. You're not necessarily tied to that person, but you just want to make sure you have someone that works well with you, your personality style and how you get information across. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. Not just someone you trust, but someone you can kind of relate to. Yeah. So with that being said, you are one of our younger alumni from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And of course you being a realtor, do you uh, have younger clients? You work with younger clientele? I have worked with younger clients before. Um, my general base, it's usually, I don't know what it is, but I usually get uh, snowbirds who are usually older okay. clients from the Northern states who are kind of escaping that cold weather and uh, empty nesters. Don't know how they, they find me, but they do. <laughs> um, but I have worked with people of all price points. I have a couple clients right now that are under contract that are my age. Mm -hmm. And um, nor it's it's a different process for someone who's just going into it. So I have a first time home buyer packet that I usually bring them in and we go through the steps together. It's already printed out and it goes step by step, start to finish of what to expect when purchasing a home. And that's where I usually start with someone who has not been, who's never purchased a home before. And if they have additional questions, which they will, I'm always available to answer throughout the entire process. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And that was going to be something that I was going to ask you. Is there a difference between when you first start versus when you've kind of been going through it for a while? So that makes a ton of sense. I think it's extremely yes. helpful to have that first time um, home buyer packet. That's so interesting. Uh, so I can assume um, with younger clients, they may make mistakes. Um, so what are some of the common mistakes that you see when people are starting that process or it's, in that process? And I haven't seen it and thank goodness that I have not. And I pray to never see this happen. Okay. But one major thing that I think that's not normally conveyed, especially to first time home buyers, is that once you're under contract, do not make any major purchases at all. Do not go buy a car. I've seen people or heard from colleagues that someone got excited and they wanted to, along with their new home, purchase a a car. If you're not buying your house cash, please don't make any major purchases. Yeah. It mess it it changes your debt to income ratio and may have you not eligible to purchase a house in the long run. So that's the biggest one. I haven't really the majority of my first clients or first time buyers, they are um they're really leaning on your realtor, that professional to answer any and all questions. And so I kind of will be able to alleviate any mistakes yeah. moving forward that way. So that is such an interesting mistake. <laughs> I never really <laughs> know. I know. And it's so sad to see. And there's, there's nothing that anyone can do if that yeah. has happened. So I just like to upfront 
and it's in my buyer practice for sure. Yeah. Please don't make any major purchases. So with that being said, do you recommend buying or renting first or does it matter? So I think that, again, it's probably a pretty, that's a subjective question. It would depend okay. on the person yeah. if you're ready. If you don't have a good amount saved, like like I said, if you don't have that ten dollars to $15,000 saved, and it's not saying that you're going to need that much money, you could, you could, potentially sign without having to put any money down. There are options where that's happened for clients of mine before, but you want to have that cushion. And if you don't have that, then I would suggest maybe renting a little bit longer. Um, if you're not ready for the responsibility that comes with home ownership, that's to say you're not, you don't have a landlord anymore. You don't have a superintendent. So if your air breaks or you have a water leak, those are all on you as the homeowner to fix. And so if you're not ready for that type of responsibility or don't have the patience for it, or you don't have just the financial stability for it, I would just say to hold off till you have a good enough, a good cushion. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting point. Uh, me being in my early twenties, I know that those little small things that go on, it's convenient for me to just call maintenance or call the front desk and say, Hey, can yes. come fix this? Absolutely. So we kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, as far as things that you should be looking for. But as far as questions that I should be asking when I'm going into this, I know we discussed the extra costs that mm -hmm. kind of come into it that you may not think about and the home inspection, but are there other questions that I should have kind of in my back pocket when I'm coming? It would depend on the area. Mm -hmm. So say for instance, my market in particular, um, we were right there on the water, on the coast. So we have flood insurance is our big major thing. So I actually ask those questions for my clients. I, I need okay. to find out, is this house in a flood zone? Because those are all things that are going to, they, I think what a lot of individuals don't realize is that your taxes and insurance are wrapped up into your mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so if your flood insurance is extremely high, you may not be able to qualify for that home. And it may be the one of your dreams, but if it, if it doesn't work out, if it's not something that's going to be financially uh, feasible for you, then it's, it's not gonna work out in the long run. So I like to ask, go ahead and get those questions answered for my clients, find out whether or not there's a flood policy on, on any of the houses because just about everything down here is in a flood zone. Yeah. Make sure that those that policy, if there is one, that is transferable and just do all the due diligence for my clients so that they're not really having to worry about as much. Yeah. And if there's any questions that, that come about afterwards for me to just clear it up for them. So coming fresh into it, I can assume that buyers may have questions. They may have kind of an idea of what they want going into uh, buying a home, whether mm -hmm. it's a more cosmetic version or the specific nitty gritty of it all. Are there things that you would recommend a buyer be more lenient about when looking and not being so strict on? Yes. And I would, I, I would, I would say I'll put them in the category of just non-essential things. Okay. So if a house fits your basic home criteria of the amount of bedrooms that you need, the amount of bathrooms that you need, the minimum square footage, um, let's say the, the location is right. All of these things you're checking out the age of the, because a lot of people look for a house, maybe 10 at the very oldest, mm -hmm. you know, that the house is. If it checks all these boxes, then don't be nitpicky about, oh, it doesn't have, there's no pool. And I've seen this happen before. <laughs> there's no pool. So I can't, you know, those are things that could be done at a later date. Mm -hmm. If the house is a little bit older, um, but 
made the foundation and the bones are good, mm-hmm. don't automatically write it off if it fits all other boxes for you. If there's some wonky colors on the wall, paint is very yeah. easy to, you know, it's it's cheap and it's easy to be done. You can you can change the paint um, colors of your wall. So just if your home criteria, your basic home criteria is met, let's not be as nitpicky on certain things that could be done later on. Because right now, inventory just is very low nationwide. We're experienced just experiencing very low inventory. And so the houses that you see that are available, if you need to be in a home, then we can't be so, so nitpicky with certain things that can be done after you're already in the home. There's something that you did mention talking about um, kind of the current state that our world is in now. What is it like right now for your job? <laughs> I am more buyer dominant as, okay. a, as an agent. I, you know, at some states there are specific buyer agents. There are only listing agents. I do both, but I'm more buyer dominant. And I will say that it is crazy to say the least. Yep. And it's because I have, I can tell you about 10 people right now that are looking for a home that are looking to relocate in this market or to our market or to just buy a vacation home here. And there's nothing. And when it does become available, it's got, you, you don't have the opportunity or the luxury to, to wait or to think about it because you're going to miss out. So that's, it's just, it's a little different. It's, but I'm, we're working through it. Everyone, you know, I've, I've gotten, like I said, two first time home buyers under contract. One of them, we, the house was on the market for less than like 10 hours and we got them under contract and it was, they were shocked that everything was moving so quickly, but that's how you have to be in this market. (laughs) So I guess that could be, because I was going to ask you, is there something, is there like a different method that I, that someone in this kind of period that we're going through in life, is there a different method that they should be taking as opposed to when you first started in this business? Um, No, because I would personally say I've seen a lot of cash is king going on, but as a first time buyer, the majority of the time you're going to be financed for a mortgage Mm -hmm. and it's, it's going to just depend on your real estate professional communicating with that listing agent to find out what the seller's preferred terms are to see if you guys can match that to, I mean, I even got my, my, my sellers, I mean, my buyers seller concessions, which is where the sellers contribute towards your closing costs so that you don't have to pay all of that amount because sometimes it could get pretty high. And so if you have the right person who's able to negotiate on your behalf, but submit a strong offer, then you should be able to navigate it pretty smoothly. It's just a matter of kind of taking emotion out of it. And I know that's hard to say, especially for some, because you're making such a huge purchase. Mm-hmm. Do you have to take emotion out of it for a little bit? And just, if this, if this house checks all of my boxes, we need to move forward. Yeah. The last question that I wanted to ask you is, okay, I got my home. I've been in it for a while and mm-hmm. I'm looking to um, buy another what is mm-hmm. the first step that I do? What do I do now? So hopefully if you've been in your house or that home that you purchased, you're still communicating with your realtor. They're still in your, a part of your life because all, all my past clients, I still talk to them on a regular basis. I sometimes go over for just pop by to see how they're doing. And hopefully you still have that relationship with your realtor. So you would give them a call and tell them that you're thinking to put your home on the market. They would then send you a comparative market analysis, which is basically pulling 
close comps in the area and giving you a home value to what your house would be competitively listed for. I've had sellers who um, they'll have a price in mind already. And so we will kind of see if those numbers work and if it, you know, we can test the market a bit, but just see if those numbers will work. And um, that agent would also give you a, um, a seller net proceed sheet, which is a breakdown of everything that you would owe with your mortgage payoff, if there is any, um, what the realtor fees would be because the sellers pay the realtor commission buyers, buyers agent or buyers do not pay realtor fees, sellers do. It comes out of their net proceeds. So you would, they would um, send you that seller net proceed sheet and find out what's your amount that you would make after that sale. If the numbers work for you, go ahead and put it on the market. The problem with this in the market that we're in currently is that you have to find another place to go. So there could be a lease back option that you have that, you know, maybe you're moving to your job is moving you out of state and it, there's a, a deadline that you need to be there by. You could rent back your house. There's so many options that they'll allow for you to not be completely displaced, but um, that's what that's what your agent should be doing is giving you a CMA, giving you what your bottom dollar would be at a couple of different price points, and then trying to navigate for you as smoothly as possible. And um, if you're relocating in the same market, they should be able to not only sell your property, but move you into a new one and make sure that that transaction in itself, both of those transactions are seamless to where you're just moving into one and ideally can close both of them on the same day or a day after one another. Well, thank you, Amber, so much. I appreciate you um, lending your expertise in this area. Um, this has been was, so much fun. Yeah, this was extremely helpful to me. So I'm sure it's helpful to our listeners. Uh, do you have any final things you want to add? Any last pieces of advice or anything? I will say that, let's say, for instance, you are looking right now in this part, this podcast is something that you are wanting to hear, but you don't know where to start or you don't want yeah. to look online and, you know, take your chances with someone that you find there. You can email me at amber at sellingcoastalms.com. And let's say you're, you're not even in Mississippi. Let's say you're in Houston, Texas, or you're in California, wherever it is that you're looking to either relocate or to find a home. I can find you an agent that I know is skilled in the area, who's been in it for a while, who's got experience, and I can match you with that person if that's something that you're looking for. Yeah. And if you have any other real estate questions that I maybe didn't answer, feel free to email me too because I respond back pretty quickly. That is so helpful. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it.